in a world few have dared to explore. Two men set out on an epic journey to answer life's manliest questions. From the Fortress of Smoothitude in Lawrence, Kansas, it's The Gentleman Podcast with Glenn Stansberry and Brian McKinney. Welcome to the Gentleman Podcast. I'm Brian McKinney. I'm sitting to the left of the agile Glenn Stansberry. Ooh. Agile, huh? Yeah, I... I KG. Yeah. yeah. Yes! You gotta keep an eye on you. Right. I might be sitting here one second. Right. Might be gone the next. Yeah. That's deep, Glenn. <laughs> on a lot of levels, Brian. I might... <laughs> I might just check out. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. I gotcha. Gotcha. Mentally, you might be hey, here and then you're gone. Nobody knows what I meant. That's part no of my one, it's my open agility. To, open to interpretation. Um, and speaking of open to interpretation, we are co-founders of a site called gentleman.com and you can make it whatever you want. Mm. If you're looking for some fun in your life, it can be fun for you. Mm-hmm. If you're looking for something serious, maybe mm-hmm. a tearjerker story, mm-hmm. some drama in your life, mm-hmm. it can be dramatic. It could be like an ER episode. Yes, it can. George Clooney. Um, if you're looking for some information, maybe like uh how to build a house, mm. how to fly a plane, fly how to, plane. you know... Um, <laughs> we can't really teach how to fly a plane without our lawyers getting upset, right? That's true. The lawyers did say that. Uh, <laughs> how to uh, play a video game about flying a plane. Oh, there you go. A simulation Wait, we talking flying about a plane. Top Gun? Or Top Gun, t- yes. Top Gun NES. Okay, okay. Which, if you're trying to learn how to, like, say, land on the aircraft carrier yeah. in the NES version of Top Gun. That's right. Uh, it's impossible. It's impossible. Captain Skyhawk, though. Through the magic of gentlemen, it may be possible. Finally. After all these years for you to land on the aircraft carrier. I, I think it's harder to land an actual plane than it is <laughs> I think so to too. land a plane I think in so Top too. Gun. It, yes, I believe so. Um, so anyway, Glenn, look, what I'm trying to say is that it's very... It, you can make gentlemen what you want. Mm-hmm. That's very deep. That is deep. Uh, anyway, Glenn, I just wanted to get that out there. Let's just clarify what gentleman is. Clear the air. Clear the air. Just so anybody says, you know, what's gentleman? Well, what are you looking for in a site? <laughs> you know what I mean? What do you? Uh, what do you? What are you open the, for? the jacket. Open the jacket. Yeah, you got exactly. the watches. On I got the, the watches. Swatches. <laughs> I got Rolexes. I got. You know, I, I was at a grocery store in North Kansas, and there was a guy in the parking lot doing that. With the the, the watch that, yeah, he was like, really? "Hey, what, you," uh, <laughs> and he like opened up his his jacket. It was in the summer. I'm like, "Dude, this is what are you? Like, what what is going on here?" <laughs> All those sweaty watches. <laughs> yeah, he'd follow people in the store. It was kind of a weird. Anyway, mm. that's like gentlemen. Interesting. We're that yeah. That we're the shifty guy. guy out the parking lot, <laughs> waiting for you to come out and uh, accosting you before you yep. get to your car. Uh, yeah. Let me ask you a question, Brian. Does it look like a Rolex? That's all you need. That's all you care about. Right. Yeah. As long as it looks like a Rolex, that's all that matters. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, Glenn. Uh, so once you get freaked out by us standing out in the parking lot and accosting you, uh, the next thing you should do to get away from gentleman.com for a little bit, because maybe we came on a little too strong. You know, mm-hmm. maybe we were trying to the hard sell a little mm-hmm. bit too much. Take a, take a brief respite. Over at podcast.gentleman.com, where you can follow along with this episode, you can follow along with previous episodes, you can listen to previous episodes, you can follow along with some of the beers we've rated in the mm. past. You can find out empirical ratings for hundreds of beers on uh, podcast.gentleman.com. 
And uh, you can follow along with the links from this episode. The things we're going to talk about are going to be linked up from there. And uh, finally, Glenn, once you have listened to some stuff on podcast.gentleman.com, you have been um, had the hard sell from us on Gentleman, uh, you're definitely going to want to get in touch with us. You're probably going to be angry. Yes. And you are going to want to, you know, voice your complaints. We can take it. We, we're, we're available to take them. Mm-hmm. From 8 to 5, Monday through Friday, mm-hmm. um, at our P.O. Box, mm-hmm. uh, which is 442-305, Lawrence, Kansas, 66044. If you send us your letter and it, you're very upset with us, um, as long as it's between the business hours of uh, you know 9 o'clock in the morning and 10 o'clock in the mm-hmm. morning, and we receive your letter at that time, uh, then we will look at your letter. We will put it up on the Hall Slash Wall of Fame, uh, which we know is the Wall of Fame. We will discuss it on the Genoa Podcast. And we will um, sneak something back in return. Maybe we'll complain back to you mm. about your complaint. You get what you give. That's right. You only get what you give. Um, anyway, Glenn. All right. So that's just my little spiel there. Uh, if you don't want to complain, maybe you just want to say hello. Maybe you just want to ask us a question. Maybe you want to um, send, us a, send us a picture of you enjoying gentleman.com a kind of affirming word whatever you want to do yeah. uh, you can get in touch with us there uh, if you can't send a letter over the P.O. box you can email us all anytime you want at howdy at gentleman.com you can also go to Facebook Twitter shittio um shittio <laughs> shit, <laughs> shit, <laughs> it's a C-H shittio okay. everybody knows about shittio it's a very popular social network um Farmers only. Farmers only. Hotornot.com, which mm-hmm. we are really trying to get people to go to. Mm-hmm. Um, Rate is hot. Um, Swipe right <laughs> or left. I don't. I don't know which one. <laughs> Swipe the which way. Yeah. That sounds good. That's that's the one you need to swipe. Um, anyway, Glenn. Uh, enough of that stuff. Let's mm. get into the media episode, which is the drink of the week. Uh, and this week, Glenn, um, I we ran into some technical difficulties with the drink of the week because it was your responsibility to. <laughs> Uh, go to the store and pick out a a beer that needs to be rated on the mustache twist scale. And I did, and I picked a very good beer. Actually, it was so good that we rated it a uh, well, we rated it highly, I believe, about eight weeks ago. Um, my memory faileth, apparently. Uh, no, I, I didn't go. So you know, I had this routine. I go to the same liquor store every time. Um, and uh, we rated it at a 7.3. It, 7. Was, it was the Odell uh, Drumroll APA. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so, right. So I went to the, a different liquor store, much smaller. In fact, I don't think they had any beers in this store that we hadn't already rated or that weren't like Natty Ice. Yeah. So, or the, the big giant jugs of uh, Pablo Rossi or whatever. There's really only one store you can go to in town that has a big enough selection that yeah. we haven't. We, you can find something we haven't rated yet. But fortune smiled on us, and Brian happened to have a local beer in his fridge that not only um, is a very tasty beer, but miraculously we haven't rated it. And it is like a standby for this local brewery, and it's Free State. This is, um, this is something that I typically always have. In my refrigerator, this is just this is this is probably one of my top go tos. It's solid. Um, it's a solid beer. So uh, anyway, the Ad Astra Ale from Free State Brewing Company uh, here in Lawrence, Kansas, um, is a it's a full body bodied ale with a hint of hops to balance the sweetness that comes from ver- uh, from three different malt varieties. 
Um, IBUs 31, which is kind of surprising for me. I thought it would be less IBUs than that. Yeah. Uh, the Stay price is 849, so just right about kind of midpoint, perfect sweet spot. Um, and the alcohol by volume, they don't say on here what the alcohol by volume is. Does that? It's oftentimes on the bottle. Oh boy. Surely we'll figure this out. I, yeah, I want to say it's five. Five percent or something like that. Yeah, five-ish. I mean, the, the, it's an ale. <laughs> yeah, it's it's an ale. The reality of the situation is once we um, once we taste it, we will know for sure because right. we are official uh, beer sommeliers. Oh, I found it here. Um, the beer snobs uh, help us out in this situation. They say that the alcohol by volume is five point six percent. So okay, there's a little bit more. I thought, and we said it between five and six percent. Yep, yep. So there you go. Um, that's just our small small A training uh, kicking in. Instincts, really. Um, yeah, I was born with that. Um, so <laughs> anyway, Glenn, well, uh, the, uh, the one other thing I was going to say about this, is I, I, got, I got some glasses out for us yes. to use to drink this, and I found that with this beer, they're necessary. Because for some reason, there's some kind of weird chemical or something in the cap. It's the cap. It's like a gluey kind of strange metallic. I could smell it, it right now. It smells like ten or something. Yep. And that, that flavor gets embedded on the the lip of the bottle. And unless it tastes great in the glass. But if you don't use a glass, you just all you can do is smell that metal taste in the on the rim. So And it sounds like that's that I'm really talking smack on this beer but nope. it's actually very good it is very good I, Brian to you know uh, sharpen your point I, I just licked the bottle <laughs> and I do taste a little tinny <laughs> it's, 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 it's like there thin. it's a thing so I've noticed that with a couple um, yeah it's just it tastes like a it tastes like metal gold yeah <laughs> not gold well it's 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 golden in hue let's put it that way um, oh yeah I'm excited about this Brian I wonder what it'll taste like. Wonder what it's like. You know, you blind, you, you put on a blindfold and you start to hear things. Right. You've never, you know, you, right. you don't normally hear. All of a sudden, you feel the sunshine in your face. Right. You know? Now that I, I can't just, you know, drink this at a, at a local establishment. Right. At the restaurant. Right. How's it going to be? Well, yeah. What's it going to be like when I have to really, really test it and put it through the paces? I don't know. There's only one way to find out, Glenn. Cheers. Cheers. Cold in the glass. This is very good. Mm. It's so the thing with this one is that it's 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 got a good. You know what it really reminds me of mm. is Yingling a little bit. Really? Yeah, Yingling. It, this is a little bit. I think um, there's a little bit more full flavor in this, but it's very Yingling like, and maybe that's what I like about it. I don't know. You're, Yingling's a lager, right? Sort of. It's not. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's a little bit darker okay. actually. It's a little bit. It's more of an amber kind of, okay. but it does. It is mm. marked as lager, I believe. What I like about this beer, Brian, is that it is, it's, you know, you take a drink and it is just smooth, but you're right at the end, those IBUs just kind of on the yeah, back end, they just kind of, yeah. let you know it's there. It's not right. just going to go down quietly. Okay, Glenn, so if you had to um, put your own rating on this uh, Ad Astra Ale from from Free State Brewing Company, what, what would you say that your rating for this beer would be? Um, given that the price is right, eight fifty mm-hmm. for six pack, which yep. is the absolute median in Lawrence, yep. Kansas, um, thirty something IBUs, 30, 31. 31. Mm. Uh, it tastes incredible. Yeah, I got it. I'm gonna go eighty six. You're eighty six. Sorry, eight point six. Eight point six. 
Um, the Richter scale. Let me 86 that rating and say 8.6. <laughs> Uh, I was I was gonna go eight point nine. Whoa! I, this is my whoa, Brian. This is my beer, man. This is what I if I could if I go there and I if I could just have one beer for the rest of my life. Really? I think this might be the one. This would be because it, it's not too high, not too low. Sometimes you go to the liquor store and you're like, oh, I want a stout or I want to, you know, whatever. It's summertime. I want a lager. Um, this is kind of the middle of the road, but in a really good way. It's, it's everything you want. It's uh, everything I hope and dream it could be. Uh, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna go eight point nine. It's not perfect, mm-hmm. but uh, but you know I think it's 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 up there. You know it's 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 mm. up there and loving it. Okay, Glenn. So doesn't matter what we think. Uh, thankfully, we have a uh, computer to talk some sense into us. Yes. Uh, we have created the old the world's only proprietary algorithm, machine learning based. Uh, mustache twist scale computer, which will, once we input the facts about the beer, uh, give us an empirical scientific rating that cannot be challenged by any human being. No mere mortal can. No, there's, it's, it's all based on deep learning algorithms. Right. So there's, right. you know, you can't really argue with that. Uh, so anyway, Glenn, uh, let me type some facts in the MTS computer here. Uh, so we said uh, the price was 8.49. 849. Uh, the IBUs were 31. And the alcohol by volume was sitting at 5.6. Um, right where it needs to be? Right where it needs to be. Okay, so we just got to give the mustache twist scale computer about 30 seconds uh, to turn through some deep learning stuff, and we should be in business. Hmm. While it's doing that, I'm going to take a long swig. <sighs> Too bad I only have 12 of these. <laughs> All right. Let well, me, you can go get some more tomorrow. Yeah, I'll get. Yeah, we'll, we'll get some more. Yeah. All right. Let me go grab the. Uh, I can hear the MTS computer is done. Let me go grab the. <laughs> this report over here. History of Kansas. Right. Uh, free State. John Brown. Yeah. 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 Um, Mm-hmm. Okay. Metal well, work. yeah. Um, okay, here it is. All right, finally, uh, Glenn, okay, so the MTS computer is going to weigh on us. Uh, MTS computer comes in at 8.75. Whoa. So that's pretty pretty high on the scale. Um, that's, you know. That's getting close to 90s. Yeah. 9.0. So that's a, that's a pretty solid score. I dare to say that might be in the top 10. I think so. Uh, beers that we've done on the podcast. So, um that's what we know about this beer. Uh, finally, uh, since I already looked it up, I wanted to check over our beer uh, friends over at Beer Snob. Mm. See what they have to say about this. They say 83. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> we're, we're waving at them in the rearview mirror. Right? Beer Snob or Beer Noob? Beer. That's what I want to know. Uh, okay, Glenn. Uh, well, let's move on to some interesting posts from Gentleman.com in the last two weeks or so. All right. Well, a lot of great stuff was posted this week. And nothing... Uh, quite so terrifying as this article that Ben Espen posted. This this is the stuff of nightmares. This is the stuff. It's, there's going to be a movie made out of this, I bet, at some point. But it's titled Two Days in an Underwater Cave Without Oxygen. And it is a harrowing tale over on BBC. This was when I read that I started reading the article and my first thought was no. I, I, di- I didn't want to read it all. I don't, no. <laughs> I don't like this. I don't like any part of this. So, uh, there's a, uh, I believe he's a professor, right? A geology, a geology teacher uh, went 
on a dive, an expedition into the um, Mallorca cave system, which is I'm guessing in. Gosh, I'm going to show my ignorance here. I don't know where the Mallorca cave system is, but or, or island, I mean. Um, but his name is Zisco Gracia, and he found himself... He's, he was diving with a buddy, and they went down uh, one kilometer beneath the water. And apparently this, this uh, sea area has a lot of caves, and like it's a cave system that flooded about 60,000 years ago. And so it's just you're underwater the whole time. Yeah. You're in caves underwater. Right. It's beautiful. But the problem is, is that... It's kind of confusing, and so what they do is he and his buddy, and, and this is a, I'm guessing this is a, a standard practice for divers, is that you tie a string onto one end of your boat or something near the near the surface where you need to be, and then you dive down with this string. Um, and as I'm saying that, I realize how fragile of a system that is because you know anything can happen. We've got to come up with something better than this. <laughs> come on, divers. Yeah, this is this is like uh, GPS, old man in the sea type stuff, man. <laughs> So he's down there, and he and his buddy, a couple things happen poorly at the same time. One, they accidentally got too close to each other, which doesn't sound like a big deal, but when you're in a, an area that receives like no movement whatsoever, there's mm. tons of silt on the floor. Yeah. And so they stirred up a bunch of silt so they couldn't see very well. And then the aforementioned string system uh, caught a snag, pun intended. Had a bug in it. And... Uh, it, 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 they couldn't find it, and so they spent an hour, uh, under, a kilometer under the surface of the water, or underwater, I mean, trying to find this string. And they finally, um, but Zisco remembers, hey, I remember some divers telling me this story about a, uh, a cave that actually had air in it, a pocket of air in it. So they go, and he, he thinks he knows where it is, and he takes his buddy, and they go, and they find this place. And luckily, they actually, there it, it exists, and so... It's got a shelf. It's a good thing his uh, buddy wasn't blowing smoke about it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, it's fine. There's a big air pocket down there. The fish was yeah. this big. Um, so, yeah, it, it's a spacious little cavern that had an air pocket. Um, so, long story short, the other guy goes. He, they, have, they conserve their air tanks. One of them goes and tries to find help. And Zisco stayed in the cave. And he, he was there a total of... Um, 80 hours. 80 hours. And he, the air had so much carbon dioxide in it that a ways into the stay, he started hallucinating and thought he saw lights and everything. And then he kind of, you know, and then right. he looked again and it was gone. And then thought he heard a drill like above him. He's like, oh, they're rescuing me. But the drilling stopped. And he's like, crap, mm-hmm. I'm dead. And then he thought he was hallucinating again. And he saw a diver like come up into the water. And it was his another friend. And he was like, ah. I'm not. I'm not dead, you know. Right. And so they brought him some air. And anyway, eight hours later, they they got him out of this underwater um, cavern. Anyway, long story short, uh, they both made it. They both made it yeah, out alive. Both of them made it out. Yeah. Uh, and they were very very lucky. But it was it was pretty pretty. Um, they owe it all to that cave being there. Yeah. Um, apparently, Zisco, he's done. He's not done with diving. No. He said he's right back in it, and he's still exploring that same cave structure that he almost got trapped and died in well he probably knows it pretty well now (laughs) i you know first of all i would never do that um i i couldn't so the the thing that uh that really stuck out to me about this was that they they had four air tanks i believe 
they each had two air tanks that had an, an hour's worth of oxygen in them. Yeah. And so they were supposed to go explore for, you know, close to an hour and then come right back. Mm-hmm. But they lost their way back and then they were trapped underwater mm-hmm. with a limited amount of time to yeah. get back. Fortunately, that the, the air, the cave was there with the air because otherwise it would have just drowned mm-hmm. down there. Um, and then the other thing about it was weird was he, he was saying that uh, his buddy went to go back and he thought maybe his buddy got lost and right. uh, died or something. And then he's like, no one else knows I'm down here. And I was like, well, what, are you just not tell anyone <laughs> that you're going to do this really dangerous? I mean, in case I don't come back. He said he's been diving for 25 years, but diving's inherently dangerous. It's kind of like going hiking in the wilderness. Like, you're supposed to check in with people and let them know where you're going and what's going on, you know? Uh, so, anyway. But, I mean, the fortunate thing about it was, like, in the air pocket thing, mm-hmm. he said that he found out that, the like, some of the water, the right. top water was, was, you could drink it. So, he was able to have water. He just didn't have food. So, although, you know... 80 hours is a long time. He could have right. theoretically lasted for quite some time. How did he figure... I don't understand that. So the top layer of the water was drinkable? Something about that. Because he was drinking the top, He was drinking some of the water down there, and it was totally fine. Hmm. Or yeah. maybe that was what was causing the hallucinations <laughs> down there. I don't know. Well, the thing is, is that... I'm with you, man. Like, I, I will not dive. There, there are just too many points of failure... Uh, too many things that can go wrong. It's just, it's just not. I'll I'll, t- I'll watch a video of somebody. I'll do snorkeling. Yeah. I will do snorkeling. Yeah, 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 yeah. But anything other than that, I don't think I can do it. I just I work around technology and stuff that's supposed to work all the time, and a lot of times it doesn't. Something goes wrong, <laughs> like this this thing with the string and and the the know, string. They say like you know all these things happen that that caused. The, there's several points of failure failure that came together and caused this situation, and. Yeah, that's what happens, is that sometimes, like, human beings do stuff that they don't expect, and bad I, stuff happens. I gotta say, like, when you're diving around in a cave, you know, complex, and you have a string, I'm really surprised that, they, that it's been 25 years that they've gone without having to... Being inside a cave, is, it's it's not uh, native lands for human beings. It's a little frightening. Um, so, anyway... Interesting article, harrowing tale. Yeah. Thank you, Ben Espin, for posting yet another solid piece of material on That's the, right. the gentleman's right. website. Um, okay, Glenn, well, let's uh, talk about this next thing, which is uh, posted by our good buddy on your keister. Um, stalwart gentleman, uh, community member, mm. always has great stuff to post. And this is one of those things. It's called Bride to Be Calls Off Wedding, Invites Homeless to a Reception. And there was this bride over in, I believe, Indianapolis. Yes. And her name was, her name is Sarah Cummins. And Sarah and her soon-to-be husband, Logan Arau, 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 Logan Arau, um, had a little bit of a snafu right before their wedding. They had planned a $30,000 extravaganza wedding. Which was, in Sarah's words, uh, she wanted it to be the perfect wedding. So she delved into the details and spared no expense uh, on $30,000 in one day on this wedding. The problem was they actually ended up breaking up right before the wedding. 
And they, of course, don't really want to say why they broke up, but something didn't work out. And so all of a sudden they were faced with a situation where none of this stuff is refundable. They've already spent $30,000 on it. The catering, the uh, event space. Every part of it. The cake, the, you know, <laughs> all the stuff. And so obviously they don't want to have their friends and family come to, you a know, hollow partake. sham. Yeah, exactly. So what do they do? <laughs> Well, Sarah decides that she instead will invite several of the homeless shelters around the area. Uh, the people that are staying at these homeless shelters, have them come out and enjoy this nice meal uh, and the nice surroundings and all that stuff and give them a special experience uh, that she put a lot of effort and time into. Uh, so it's kind of a cool idea that instead of kind of tossing that she was said she was horrified about the fact that she would likely be tossing all the food away that they just spent thirty thousand dollars on you know um so instead it went to good use uh 150 people from the local shelter showed up and used the uh used the occasion um it seemed like they had some video footage of it. it seemed like a cool little uh thing but uh a really cool smart way to to turn something that was really bad into something positive um but i will say this i don't know what happened between the two of them but um I will say that in addition to uh, in addition to Sarah giving away all their food for their thing, mm-hmm. she also took the honeymoon trip uh, with her mother yes. to wherever the honeymoon trip was going to go. So they didn't waste that either. Her and her mother were going to go on the trip. So Logan gave up his uh, his ticket for the trip. So that kind of makes me think maybe something that Logan did wasn't uh above board possible yeah. bachelor party incident maybe <laughs> hey brian it's not, i don't know it's, it's not our job to speculate it's, it's, here. Uh, we're just reporting the news okay your honor i object yeah uh that's that's leading um you're leading the witness here uh right so i i gotta say though brian i think uh i think you may be onto something there seems i seems like she was she was pretty eager to go on the honeymoon regardless uh mm-hmm. Yeah, you know you, who who's you know love can be a fickle thing. It can be. It can be. Uh, yeah. So you know, but the important thing is is that uh, Sarah gave back to the community. Yep. Um, cool idea. Very cool idea. Mm-hmm. And you know, sometimes life just uh, punches you in the lemons, and you got to make some lemonade. That's true. That's true. It's a good point. Um, well, anyway, it, it seems like they amicably split. Uh, sort of. Yeah, I, I I don't know. Maybe between the lines, I wouldn't. Uh, you know, maybe you know, was, maybe these are selective quotes. I yeah. Oh okay. Maybe. <laughs> I guess we they, need the unedited version of the re- yeah interview yeah. here. We right. need the real dirt. Yeah. But um, hey, you know what? She's a pharmacy major at Purdue. She's gonna bounce. She's gonna bounce back. She's gonna find a doctor. I don't know. Maybe another pharmacist well now she's got to go for a bigger wedding next time that's right thirty thousand is not going to cut it that's the other thing i was gonna say thirty thousand dollars on a wedding i look i call me old-fashioned that is a lot of money that is a lot of a lot of debt unless she had thirty thousand dollars socked away then I great think job I got, the, I got the impression that they saved for it so they worked to save the money for it two students saved thirty thousand dollars that seems implausible i don't know maybe the parents paid for it. i don't know just uh, I'm glad I'm glad some people got to use. Can you imagine no. um, <laughs> your kids coming to you and be like, "Oh, we need we want to do this wedding. It's going to be kind of expensive, probably around thirty thousand dollars." Good luck. That's what Vegas is made for. Here, well, as much as I <laughs> applaud your um, 
thriftiness, Brian. I don't think I want my daughter to get married in Vegas. <laughs> uh, I would like to be there. Maybe there's a middle the ground. Elvis. Maybe yeah. there's a middle Maybe, ground. There is somewhere. I'm sure there's a park somewhere. Or, yeah, sure. You know, courthouse steps. Hey, my my backyard's available for a nice wedding occasion. It's beautiful. I'm hoping to wait yeah. at least like ten years before yeah. I have to think about this. Absolutely. But, um, right. Yeah. Well, anyway. Okay, Glenn. Well, what's uh, we got one more post to talk about this. Uh, this That's week. right. Now, this was an intriguing post. Chet Manley, known for his pensiveness, his uh, he, he questions things. His pensiveness, his bravado. Yeah, his bravado. I mean, look at this picture. <laughs> look at his avatar. He's not fooling around. No, and absolutely so, not. And so, when he posts a tack titled, What Kind of Fruit is the Avocado? <laughs> I love his description for the tack. For the inquiring minds who wish to know, which initially was my wife, it's actually more interesting than I expected. But my expectations were low. Mm, interesting. A lot of lot of uh, lot of caveats there. All right, Brian. So let me let me fill in the gaps here. If you don't know, an avocado is a fruit. I didn't know that. No, I didn't know that either. I did not guess either that the avocado is a single sided berry. Single seeded berry. <laughs> That, that we talked about size. a single single sided wedding. Kind of uh, three sixty single seated wedding. Yeah, <laughs> single seated berry. Uh, and this is uh, from the Agriculture and Natural Resources uh, from the University of Calif- uh, California website. So yeah, reputable source. This is yeah. This, this is, is a legitimate source. A dot edu people. Yeah. Right? And so anyway, the avocado is actually a berry. And there are two broad categories of berries. There's dry, dry and fleshy. Dry and fleshy. Yes, right. yes, right. exactly. Yeah, right. Everybody. Did you write this? Wow, I didn't know you went to. I studied berries uh, for a short time dabbled. in college. Yeah, <laughs> I was a berry major for a little bit. I mean, I'm a Stansberry, so right. You know, you and, know. Yeah. yeah. And the avocado is a fleshy berry. Right. So it has a large seed, and um, which is the exocarp. I'm sorry. The exocarp is the skin. The endocarp is the giant skin surrounding the seed. Long story short, the avocado is a berry. I don't know what I'm talking about. Is a berry. That's what we've come up with. And you can take that to the bank because it's from the uh, University of California. No, no, no. Because Chet Manley posted it. Well, that's yes. That's why. But look, the, the takeaway from this is it doesn't matter what the endocarp, exocarp, the mesocarp, or the seed is, whether it's dry or fleshy. None of that stuff matters. What matters is if somebody says, what kind of fruit is the avocado, mm. you can now say. Empirically. It's a berry. A single seeded berry. Because Chet Manley friend. told you. That's right. None of, the stuff, se- none of the rest of it matters. That's it. <laughs> okay, Glenn. Uh, switching gears here. Okay. Uh, this okay. is, uh, it's time for the toast this week, Glenn. And this week, a luminary, hmm. legendary... Filmmaker passed away at 77. George A. Romero, the creator of *Night of the Living Dead*, uh, passed away at the ripe old age of 77. Uh, sad, sad day for uh, cinema because George A. Romero was legendary not only for *Night of the Living Dead* but also *Dawn of the Dead* and a couple other movies he did uh, in the 80s. But mainly for being the creative force behind something that's such a pop culture phenomenon 40 years after he created it. Uh, the whole entire zombie idea, which um, basically he took from kind of legend and lore and brought it into, it, it kind of had a fully formed idea of what it was in the 1960s. Uh, the same stuff we see on Walking Dead, 
you know, yep. all these shows that are popular, Shaun of the Dead. Brain-eating all, zombies. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, it's the same formula that people have been using in countless movies and television shows and all kinds of stuff uh, mm-hmm. for the last four decades. And uh, he totally came up with that idea. And, um, you know, also heavily influenced modern horror movies, uh, everything that came after him. Um, but it was it was so sad for that. Um, but he had a very uh, influential and awesome career. Um, added a lot to cinema. And I thought it was really interesting. I was kind of reading some articles about this guy. And uh, every movie studio passed on. He made this movie, Don- or Night of the Living Dead. And he took it to New York to try to get a studio to back it. He had already paid for it and recorded it and done all this stuff. And he wanted to get it distributed. None of the studios wanted it. Um, and so instead he took it himself. And he self-financed getting it into theaters. And wow. it became hugely popular with audiences. Even though all the critics, including Roger Ebert, said it was basically... It was so graphic and terrible that they wondered about the sanity of the person that made it. Was, yeah, that never sells. Yeah. And so, <laughs> so anyway. Um, a wonderful critique. Yeah. Uh, so critics hated it. Nobody wanted to touch it. But what a great example of somebody that believes in himself enough that he just sticks to it no matter what anybody's people say. He got it into theaters. People loved it. It ended up grossing $50 million, which is pretty good. Back in the for day. A, a little side project that you're doing, um, yeah. you know. And uh, anyway, fr- from then on in his career, he mostly stuck to independent films. Uh, I think there's only one film he did for a major studio, and everything else was independent. So he's also heavily influence- influential in uh, filmmakers that have gone independent route as opposed to trying to make movies through the studio system, hmm. which was something very unique at the time yeah. uh, as well. And so anyway, uh, he's, he's well known for... Night of the Living Dead and creating zombies, but he also, if you look, if you watch that movie, he had a lot of uh, camera techniques and uh, sound and cinema stuff that was ahead of his time as well. So he's uh, he's probably not given the credit that he should be because of the fact that the the genre was horror and mm-hmm. um, and the time it was made and all that stuff. But um, I remember reading a uh, a book by the guy that created Shaun of the Dead. Um, Simon Pegg. Simon Pegg, and he described meeting uh, George Romero at one point. <laughs> and uh, Simon Pegg was such a zombie nut; like he read everything about zombies and <laughs> George's description of how zombies are and how they behave and how some movies get it wrong because they make them fast moving, but they wouldn't be fast. I mean, all this stuff. And so apparently, uh, Simon Pegg met George A. Romero, and he was so taken aback by it that he immediately started profusely apologizing to him. Because some of the things that they did in Shaun of the Dead don't, don't quite line up with what George Romero's <laughs> specific intricate idea of what a zombie was. Um, and uh, he said that he was such a nice guy that he, you know, he probably didn't even know who, who Simon Pegg was. Right. But he, you know, he said, it's okay, it's okay. And just, you know, we talk, they talked about zombies then from, from then on and they had a nice discussion about it. But uh, so he... <laughs> He uh, sounds like a real nice, down-to-earth guy that was also extremely talented and created something that had a big impact on the world. So It really did, in a, in a weird way. Yeah. Even locally here in Lawrence, there is a zombie walk every year. That's true. Lots yeah. of, like, I don't know, over 100 people, 120, you know, Maybe 200 people. I'm yeah. sure, and I'm sure this isn't just in Lawrence. This is probably... Yeah, something that happens all over the place, yeah. Across the U.S., you know. Mm-hmm. But zombies are all the rage. It really, yeah, it really captured... Uh, people's imaginations. I mean, it's so... That's frightening. Yeah. It's a it frightening is, yeah, thought. It is. 
Uh, what I thought was uh, interesting too is they he were, they were talking to him about Night, Night of the Living Dead, and, and they, he did some interesting stuff. Like he cast one of the main characters as being an African American guy, and it was at a time when that mm-hmm. didn't really happen very often. So that was kind of interesting. And he was talking about the deeper meaning behind the story itself, and how he the characters as the night gets worse and worse, they're still at each other's throats and bickering and arguing over stuff. And he was trying to make a point about um, coming together as opposed to. Uh, fighting each other when there's adversity going on. Um, and then also the social justice kind of thing that was kind of woven in there as well. So there, there's mm. some interesting different like, subtext in there that, that you don't hear about very often. Layers. Yeah. Layers. Uh, so you have seen Shaun yes. of the Dead. Yes. And you have seen Dawn of the Dead. Yes. Okay. Wh- which do you like better? Dawn of the Dead. Are you talking, you're talking about... I'm sorry. The- Night of the Living Dead. Night of the Living Dead. Dawn of the Dead is also a Romero yes. movie from the 70s, uh, which is... Uh, yeah, okay, so Night of the Living Dead is is a classic. Yes. It's definitely way different than um, Shaun of the Dead. I love Shaun of the Dead because I think it's a really smart retelling of... Hilarious. Uh, yeah, and it's hilarious. Uh, so totally different movies. But I would, you know, watch... Night of the Living Dead holds up pretty well. It's a pretty interesting story, and it, and it you know... It's a it's a fun little watch. Dawn of the Dead. I had to watch it twice before I really figured out what was going on. It was really? it's a little. It's kind of a. It's almost like a tongue in cheek. It's supposed to be a little bit funny. It's like campy a little bit. Okay. And um, intentionally, yes. Okay. And so it's not really supposed to be taken one hundred percent serious. And I didn't understand that the first time I saw it. Oh. I was going into it thinking it was going to be like this really serious, you know movie and it's really it's about uh it takes place in a shopping mall and it's kind of about uh consumerism a little bit so there's like again there's a little bit of a like deeper layer to the whole thing um so it's kind of like an action horror comedy a little bit almost it's hard to describe what dawn of the dead is but that was another one that was very successful and and kind of groundbreaking for him yeah um and that had a lot of influential uh, impacts on a lot of filmmakers as well. Mm-hmm. So anyway, uh, I'm going to go back and rewatch a couple of these, and uh, I think it made me want to watch Dawn of the Dead again, actually, because, um, like I said, the first time I watched it, I didn't get it. I only made it like halfway through, and the second time I watched, it, I loved it. So <laughs> I don't know. Nice. But anyway, uh, so uh, rest in peace, Mr. George A. Romero, and uh, legendary filmmaker. Yeah, don't come back and haunt us. Well. Eat our brains. Yeah, exactly. But we know you'll be slow moving, so we'll probably see you coming. That's right. That's right. Um, okay, Glenn. Well, that means it's time for the... Um, a bunny topic. topic. Uh, and this week, Glenn, uh, there is right around the corner. It's already, tw- it's already almost 2018. And in 2019, Disneyland is going to unveil... Star Wars Land at Disneyland. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is... What this is... Is a entire section of their theme park that's built around the Star Wars universe. And not only that, they also have a Star Wars themed hotel that you can stay at. And uh, this hotel is completely customized and built to replicate the experience of being in the Star Wars universe. And staying... At a hotel in the Star Wars universe. And uh, they also, they've released a fly-through of Star Wars (laughs) Land 
where you they show you what the experience is going to be like. It's like a rendering of the... It's like an architect's rendering yeah. of going through the park. Mm-hmm. And uh, anyway, Glenn, this is set to open in 2019. You, in 2019, you can hop on a plane and fly over and walk into the Millennium Falcon. It's pretty amazing. It is pretty amazing. So what, what's your take on uh, Star Wars Land? Are you going to be going to Star Wars Land? Well, actually... Are you going? <laughs> Star Wars Land. <laughs> Be sure to wear a lightsaber on your belt. Uh, so, I probably. So, uh, mm, will do I want to go? I watched the artist rendering. Wait, let me back. Let me say this, Brian. Part of me is so sick of Star Wars right now. Mm-hmm. I am Star There's Wars. A lot of Star Wars. Yeah, I can't Wars handle it. Yeah. There's just. Multiple there's, movies. There's movies about movies. Yeah, like there's movies that don't make have anything to do with the with the franchise, and there's movies that do. Mm-hmm. And then there's you know all this. There's like a, every three months there's hype about some movies merchandising, out. and then merchandising. You know, there's leak shots about something. Right. And, I, I'm always hearing about Star Wars. Right. So the, Disney evil geniuses that they are. Maybe they're not evil. I don't know. But they bought Lucasfilms for two billion. I can't remember. Yeah, something. Couple like that. bill. Yeah, couple bills. Yeah, and I guarantee it that they have already made it back. Yeah, and now they are just going to blow the top off the thing, and it makes you wonder. Well, it doesn't make me wonder anything. It's predictable, but I, I just part of me opposes it. Yeah, for that reason alone. Sure. Yeah. Well, they've got. They already they already had Rogue One come out. Yep. They also have the the young Han Solo yep. movie. Yep. Which is going to be reshot by Ron Howard now, even though they're like ninety percent done. Uh, that can't be good. Well, they, like these two guys were making it, and they're—I I posted a link about it—and they were eighty-five percent done. And then all of a sudden, they got fired, and Ron Howard was like, "Oh, t- I got this. <laughs> don't worry about it." So he stepped in, and they're reshooting parts of it now. And I don't know; it just didn't sound very good. No. But then, and then we got the real Star Wars thing that's coming out uh, in December, I believe. 2017. Yep, uh, that's right around the corner. So we're getting getting it from all angle. Yeah. Um, this, I my personal opinion on this. I love Star Wars. Yes, I love it. I'll, I'll go watch the movies, all of them. I sure. don't care. You can make a movie about Chewbacca's toenails, and I'll go probably watch it. <laughs> um, that was a Christmas special, wasn't it? I think so. <laughs> um, but this is too. This is too. I don't. I was watching the the, the walkthrough where they show you what the theme park's gonna look mm-hmm. like, and I. I don't need to go to Mos Eisley. I don't need to like yeah. walk around to the shops, <laughs> and I don't need to do any of that. That's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't need to go to the saloon. That, well, that'd be kind of fun. <laughs> that would be awesome. Uh, but no, I, I don't need to do that. I don't need to. I mean, it would be cool to walk on the Millennium Falcon. That would be cool. But I don't. I'm not going to do that. I don't. That just seems it's a movie. I don't need to revisit it in real life. And it's interesting because. I, I, I was thinking about this, and I was thinking about what other movies would they do something like this for, and would I go be involved with it? And the first thing I thought of was Lord of the Rings. Yes, yes. And I was like, I would totally go stay yeah. in Hobbiton. Yeah. I mean, I would oh, I would be there in a yeah. second. I will be there on a plane tomorrow. I will go drink at the Green Dragon yes. and sleep yes. in my Hobbit den, and I would yeah. love it. Yeah. Every minute of it, I would love it. Smoke some of the old Toby. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Uh, I don't know why there's a difference there. Mainly because it's like New a, Zealand. It's New Zealand. It's outdoors. There's. Yeah. It's just beautiful. And yes, I will go do that. 
I'll go, uh, you know, barefoot and my uh, <laughs> those suspenders and the you know whatever it takes. <laughs> whatever yeah. it. Uh, yeah. So I, I would do that. But the Star Wars thing, even the hotel looks really weird. It, it, it's it's all. I don't know. It's just. It just looks weird. Like I, and then the, the implication here too is that you're bringing your kids over there, yep. and you're putting them through this weird Star Wars stuff. It's yeah. just like I, I don't know. I would imagine. So we're kind of looking at it from the from old guy perspective. Like I bet a yeah. lot of the kids are actually going to be dragging their parents this because yeah, the new movies true. come out. They've kind of breathed life in the franchise. Yeah, kids love this stuff. Um, yeah. and so fortunately, my daughter. Well, I don't know. Is it fortunately or unfortunately, my daughter's are too young to be yeah. into Star Wars. But yeah. um, I, for me, I just love the old movies. Like, I just... Yeah. The new ones... Yeah. I guess I saw the first one. The first... Sorry. The... The... The first one that Disney made. Oh, The Force Awakens. Yes. Yes. And I liked it. Yeah, I liked I like it well enough. Yeah. But there's just something about the old ones I just can't... Yeah. You know, I, I just... Yeah. They, they always have a special place in my heart. And this... This would be... I guess if I was there for a day, yeah, I could do it. Right, but I'm not going to stay in a hotel. I'm not going to. I can't stay. I couldn't stay at a hotel like this. It looks like a like a futuristic prison yeah. or something. I think I, I stayed know. in a Marriott like that. <laughs> yeah, is that a bonsai tree? Uh, yeah. So I, I don't know. Yeah, that. I, so I think this is a little bit too far. I think it's yep. a little bit uh, off. I, I don't know. I just there's something that's weird about that. I don't know why I find it easier to imagine myself in a Hobbit lodging in new zealand hey, but man. i could totally we all have our things <laughs> i'm right with you i would be i'll be your sam all right <laughs> yeah, we'll go, yeah people will talk but right, you let yeah, them talk you know, right yeah we'll let them talk uh my wife really wants to go to harry potter world she oh, right. loves I forgot about that. harry potter right and is that is that at disney and uh, or that universal studios maybe uh, i can't remember hmm. yeah it's something somewhere yeah. in the states yeah <laughs> at one of the two parks yeah the big parks that's the other thing too is that you you don't I mean they're just these parks are so huge like yeah. you, you can't do Disney World and go to Star Wars like it's its own thing right yeah. so you have anyway so Harry Potter World or Land or whatever it's called my wife would love to go to mm-hmm. and my oldest daughter is just getting into Harry Potter like oh, Lynn's boy. reading it to her yeah. at night yeah and so I imagine at some point I'll be going to Harry Potter World which I'm okay with it'll yeah. be fun to see I'd their reactions I'd say you'll be there in uh, yeah. about six months or so <laughs> yeah what's uh, Florida like in March yeah um, so but yeah I'm with you. I'm not gonna go to I'm not gonna go to Star Wars land you're right about the kids thing I didn't even think about that angle I just thought about all the nerdy people out there that are so into Star yeah. Wars they want to go walk through yeah. this area and feel like they're there it's like i, I there, there will be those uh they'll probably yeah. dress up and you know it's like it's like a, a, a renaissance fest yeah know? that's what i was kind of thinking of was renaissance fest like a very upscale or expensive renaissance comic-con fest. that's a better yeah that's a better yeah people get into this kind of stuff oh i yeah absolutely i have a friend who has just started getting into the comic-con comic-con thing and it's a whole different it's like a it's a life it's it's a lifestyle yeah, you become a different. Not, I'm, I'm making it sound bad. You don't become a different person, but you, you are part of a whole new world. Yeah, I think yeah. everybody has. You know, there's always these festivals that pop up. Yep, and you end up going to them because it has like some nebulous connection with what you like. <laughs> like me and the Bluegrass Festival. Yeah, right. Yeah, um, 
I like bluegrass music. Mm-hmm. Um, and so and whiskey and whiskey, and so right. I ended up going to the bluegrass festival every year because it's it's enjoyable. But it is almost like a it's like a different world almost, and you you look forward to it every year, and you get sucked into it, yeah. and you want to go all the time, and yeah. Look forward to it, and Escapism. you go down there. And, well, yeah, you, you go and you're and you're part of this big collective that are all enjoying this festival. And the Frito Chili Pies are flowing. <laughs> shoot and, roosters. Yeah, shoot roosters. <laughs> Next thing you know, you wake up on Sunday with your face down in a, a tent, a, a plate of bluegrass or uh, biscuits and gravy, and uh, you drive home and you start all over again the next year. That's um, right. So anyway, I, I get it. You know, everybody's got their things, and so I guess the Star Wars thing will be big, big, big for a lot of people. But I, I can't see myself ever doing that. They're gonna make a lot of American dollars. Yeah, I believe so. I believe Disney really. I mean, they paid a bunch of money for the Star Wars stuff, but they really gave George Lucas an easy out, and then they were just like, "All right, let's let's put this thing up to ninety nine. Let's, let's do print it. money." Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah. five video, five video, five movies a year. Uh, yeah, theme park. Yeah, uh, all these toys. Happy animated meals. series, video games, animated I mean, series, like, I, coloring books, yeah. every oh, comic series, yep. anyway. everything. It's basically just like the gentleman. Disney's right. contacted us so many right. times about buying gentlemen. Right. We're like, no, keep your two billion. Okay, yeah. this is this is our thing. Yeah, Disney, you can't Come own on. everything. Gentleman land. They buy Star Wars, and it's like, I think they can anyway. Uh, okay, Glenn. Well, that means uh, it's time for our final segment, which is the questions from the gentleman mailbag. And uh, this week, look, it's the dog days of summer. It is hot. In Kansas, from mid-July to mid-August, maybe the third week of August, it is a scorcher. It's, uh, so for about a month or so, and it's like this in the winter too. There's about a month where it's just pretty pretty cold. And then in the summer, there's one month where it's just nasty hot. And we're in that month mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. And so, just curious, if you had a go-to dog days of summer, empirical, best drink to have during this time, what would it be? So, are we are we talking alcoholic, non-alcoholic? Probably should go alcoholic. Either one. Right? I'm going to go. I find alcoholic drinks refreshing, so yeah. I will go alcoholic here. Yeah. Brian, I've been slowly and painfully perfecting the perfect summer drink. Oh, really? I didn't know about this. And, I mean, so, on the blog, uh, maybe a couple years ago, a year ago, a while back, we, we, we had a recipe for the Beerita. Danger Juice. Danger Juice. Yep. Which is a very fine, very, very refreshing drink. It is. It's very fresh. I, I made some for my recent party that I had over here. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. So, you have Danger Juice, um, but I have this thing. All right. I really like margaritas, but I don't like how basically everyone makes a margarita. Um, this is kind of hard to explain, but okay, you know when you go to like a restaurant and you order a margarita, yep, and it tastes like Delicious. you're drinking Red Forty and all this. This is something. Yeah. It's like it's, it's like your yeah, your, yeah. your mouth is zinging it's and like, like yeah. yeah, and you get a little weird. It's it's like like, pixie sticks. Yes, and, that's yeah, what it is. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah. So. Margaritas are great in theory, but mm-hmm. I don't like all that stuff. Okay. So, so okay. I have cut back and slimmed down the margarita recipe to only the bare essentials. Sounds like a good idea. Which yeah. are these. Okay. okay. As follows. Tequila. Mm-hmm. Okay. Gotta have that. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
Uh, okay, so you have tequila. Well, first you have to salt. If you, I don't per- personally like this, but my wife likes this. The the salt on the rim, of the, the glass. salty rim. I'm a salty rim guy. Myself. Okay, okay. Yeah. I've noted. I've noted that <laughs> you'll have that when you come visit. Uh, salt on the rim, ice, tequila. Yep. Then I take a lime, slice it in half. Okay. Squeeze the entire lime mm-hmm. into the the glass. Okay. Very limey. Yep. Now. Then I add some agave syrup. Agave is what tequila is made from. Right. So it's like kissing cousins. Mm-hmm. All right. Is it sweet? It's a little. It's very sweet. But okay. I only. I don't add very much because I don't like a lot of sweet things. In fact, sure. sometimes I'll leave it out. And then to top it off, and this is. Just stay with me here. Lime Lacroix. What? Is, oh, Lacroix. Lacroix. The carbonated water with lime. And it it sounds like, that that's where you lost me. No, nope. that's where the road diverged. That's where that's where it that's where the the magic happens. Wow! If you're listening, you go do that now. Tequila to taste. I mm. like mine pretty stout. Yeah. Um, I, I like just sipping tequila. Honestly, yeah, I love tequila. Yeah. So, but that's that's a damn refreshing drink. Hmm. And the lime Lacroix. No, how much of that do you put in the glass? You don't put by the time. So just you have, a splash of it or something. You just have to fill the glass to the top. So it's not like so you have ice, you have the the tequila, you have the lime juice. It's probably like a third you of the glass. Something to you can't just yeah. put water in it. You could put carbonated water in it. Uh, I've tried a bunch of different stuff, hmm. but the lime Lacroix puts it right over the top. Hmm. So what like what kind of a percentage is, is the lime Lacroix? How much like if you, if you had to call a percentage on it like 25 30? to thirty? Twenty five to thirty percent. Okay, hmm. I'll have to have one. I don't know. I mean, it sounds good. I, I like the idea of the non chemically treated margarita, all killer no filler, which doesn't happen anywhere. I mean, they basically all have the same it, thing. Yes, it's like they all use the exact same mix. It's a mix, did, yeah, and it's good for, until you get to like halfway through and you're like, oh, there's something inside. Once of me I now. get halfway through the fourth one, you <laughs> right? Know? You really the start thirty-two to answer. Taste it. It's like, whoa, hey, the fishbowl, yeah. Help <laughs> me. Uh, no, I, you know, yeah, it's a very, it's a, it's a pretty stout taste. To yeah, it. it's, it's just, it's know. just harsh okay well that's good to know all right so i have one that's not alcoholic could be alcoholic if yeah. you wanted it to be i don't know but it's not by itself alcoholic i just got into this uh recently um i don't know i might have been related to a gentleman podcast that we did or maybe it was a story on gentleman i'm not sure but the arnold palmer i was gonna guess the arnold palmer yeah um nice i uh i was at our local watering hole um, Henry T's. Yes. Not too long ago. And I was sitting to, I was sitting next to one of the regulars that goes there that we see all there all the time. And, uh, he said that he was sitting at the bar next to me and, uh, he, he asked the bartender for an Arnold Palmer. And I never thought to order an Arnold Palmer at Henry T's because usually at Henry T's I'll get a beer, you know, but uh, so I, I'd already had a beer that night, so I just kind of kept that in the back of my mind. Right. And the next time we went there, uh, instead of ordering a beer, I ordered the Arnold Palmer, and I really liked it. It was, it's really, I mean, I don't think Henry T's makes a fantastic Arnold Palmer or anything like that. You like the concept. But the idea of it, mm-hmm. it, which is, for people out there that don't know, is a combination of iced tea and lemonade, and I believe it's two-thirds-ish iced tea. tea. 
okay. and one third lemonade. So it's it's heavy on the iced tea, less so than lemonade. Um, <clears throat> we did talk about this on the podcast. Yeah. So that's where I get that's and so anyway. So ever since then, every time I've been to Henry T's, I've been getting the Arnold Palmer, and it's pretty refreshing on a summer day. I love iced tea. Yes. Who doesn't like lemonade? Right. I mean, it's and then that combination of the two is a stroke of genius. Uh, and so I've been really enjoying that. I was trying to figure out though, if you wanted to make an Arnold Palmer an alcoholic drink, how would you proceed? I was thinking. I mean, I like whiskey, but whiskey doesn't seem like it would fit with that. Oh, they do like whiskey and tea. I know that. That's oh, like really? a thing. So maybe that could be okay. But lemonade maybe. and whiskey. I don't. Right. The only thing I was thinking is like rum, but I don't really drink right. rum. Right. You know I mean, mean, if you're going for something tasteless, kind of like vodka, vodka is pretty yeah. good. Or gin. I just I, don't like vodka or gin. Well, there, yeah. that's a problem. So I would say probably... Absinthe. I haven't had rum... <laughs> I haven't had rum... Uh, I haven't had rum in a long time. Normally, rum? I would I would go with a, uh, a bourbon at that yeah. point. But, you know, being a summer drink... For a summer refreshing, you know, like maybe the maybe the rum would be a, a acceptable use there. I'm not sure. I would try bourbon. Yeah, I think, think I think because bourbon's kind of uh, my wife likes to get bourbon cocktails, mm-hmm. and that, it seems like there's a lot of like, it's know, like it lemony like tea would, and tea, tea would go good with yeah. that, but maybe not. Yeah, I don't know. Well, I guess we'll have to. Maybe that'll be the Brian McKinney. The McKinney will be. I'll have what he said. Yeah, the iced tea lemonade with bourbon. Mmm. That could be... Uh, I like yeah. it. So anyway, go to your local watering hole and order the Brian McKinney. Ask and then the McKinney. Ask, act so indignant when they don't know what that is. Here, let me just what combine the bar of, and make What it. kind of a bar is this? You don't know what the Brian McKinney is? I'm leaving. Kids. Come on, kids. Um... But yeah, I, that, I would go with an Arnold Palmer. It's very, it's very refreshing. It's got a, it's. I love iced tea. It's, it's just, it's all good things. I've never had one. I've, yeah. I've meant to. I've been meaning to try one just because of that. Partially because of when we talked about it on the podcast. But as soon as I read about it, I was like, oh man, that sounds very good. And then I've kind of forgot about it. And then when we were at Henry T's and that guy ordered it, I was like, oh yeah. And they certainly you can buy it here. And so I, the next time I came, I was like, give me, give me another one. The bartender, she wasn't. I didn't. I got the sense that she wasn't exactly pleased with the drink order because it takes them a little bit of effort to make it what two I, ingredients yeah but still it's, it's and not a like shaker? and they're not making a lot of money off it because they're not ordering a beer you know well it could have been that person too that yeah. was ordering I, I, I might be reading too much into what you know but i just yeah. kind of felt like the, the long of, side yeah the, the eye roll and the <sighs> yeah so anyway when What's she said, "Did you want anything else, Your Majesty?" <laughs> with my yeah. Uh, what's a Tom Collins? I get Tom Collins and Arnold Palmer. Tom Collins. That's that is an alcoholic drink, I believe. Okay, I believe that's a. I don't say it's a gin drink, maybe. Okay, that's that's okay. No, there's Tom Collins mix. So I assume you're that right. Means you're that right. Why would they have mix, a mix that with whatever? Maybe maybe the Shirley Temple. The Shirley Temple. The Roy Rogers. Roy Rogers. Um, there you go. Let me look up. I know, I know, I'm curious where the Tom Collins is. It it's is cocktail. lemonade with juniper spirit. So gin. gin. Yeah, That'd lemonade be good. with gin. I can't do gin. I'm not. I'm. I'm off the gin train forever. You uh, so, forever. Wow. I I had a bad experience with gin when I was in my formative years, and I can't ever. I can't ever go back. You can't go back home, Glenn. Who says? <laughs> Who says you can't go home? 
Uh, anyway, Glenn. All right. Well, let's we'll we'll talk about that after the show. Um, all right. All right. Anyway. Uh, okay, Glenn. Well, that uh, nicely rounds out episode one eighteen. Hmm. Uh, so go to your local bar and order the Brian McKinney and be extremely angry with them when they don't know what it is. And that way, soon enough, everybody will know what a Brian McKinney is. You know what, Brian? I think we should. I think we should start a thread in the parlor. Post our best summer drinks. Yeah, and I'll put Brian my McKinney. margarita. Right. I'll put my margarita on there. You put the McKinney on there. That way, I will cement my legacy <laughs> in the world of drinks. <laughs> If it's if it's on the internet somewhere, it's it right. It's in the general parlor, so obviously it's true. Right. I mean, Chet Manley with the avocado thing. Now we know it's a berry. Now it's a berry. Now we know what the Brian McKinney drink is. Right. Everybody should know this. Uh, this is all general knowledge that everybody should be aware you, of. You've got to try it. I mean, you got to make it first. You need to perfect That's this true. before you can. Yeah, I will. I'll, I need to put the horse before the cart here, Brian. Arnold Palmer would never reveal what his actual percentage was between the two, so I, I'll have to work on that myself. And it might be different. Because it's got bourbon in it. I don't know. Well, Wasn't okay. his thing that his wife knew and that was it or yep. something like that? Yeah. Yeah. Only she knew. Right. So anyway. All right, Glenn. Well, I'm going to work on that. I'll work on that for next time. And uh, maybe we, maybe some future uh, drink of the week could be the Brian McKinney. I like it. Um, so anyway. All right, Glenn. Well, let's uh, end up this episode 118. Looking forward to episode 119, which will take place in two weeks. Mm. Uh, I want to thank everybody out there for listening and taking the time to listen to all previous 117 episodes in a row before you listen to this one. Well done, you. Which I expect that you read the disclaimer on and did. Right. Because if you didn't, then uh, I'm just really upset with our lawyers. Uh, Anyway, Glenn. uh, Okay, well, that means that I'm Brian McKinney. I'm Glenn Sansbury. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll look forward to hearing from you and you listening to us on episode 1819 <laughs> adios muchachos <laughs> <laughs>